either been just, you know, as an attender or member uh, or on staff uh, at one of those uh, six churches, this being the, the sixth. And so uh, during that time, uh, three of those churches, so three out of the six of those churches, I would say were really more concerned about preserving and protecting than being on mission. And so let me explain what I mean by that. Don't get me wrong. Uh, They didn't mind growing. These churches were churches that they didn't mind to grow in numbers. They didn't mind to grow in people if only the people who were coming were cleaned up, not messy, and all put together. Like, if you were already a Christian, you could come to these churches, and they would accept you and love you. And see, growing up, like, I thought that that was what it was supposed to be about. Like, church was just for Christians. Like, it was just for the people who, you know, kind of had their lives together. It was for the people who had good marriages. It was for the people who had good families. It was for people who just never got in trouble or did anything wrong. Or if they did, what it was is it was so far in the past, they've been redeemed from that, and now they're living the straight and narrow, right? And so I would say that, that three of the six churches that, I, that I've been a part of in my life were churches that were more concerned with that than actually being on mission. They were built around morality and not mission. Then I would say that, that one of the six churches actually started with a desire to reach people who were far from God, but as they grew and things got messy and people who didn't fit the mold that the other churches did, well, then they began to turn themselves and look inward instead of being pointed outward. Now, here's, here's the thing with that, is I don't think any church ever starts out with the intent to be a church that focuses on being inward and not outward. I think every church starts out that way. I think every church says, you know what, we're going to reach our community, we're going to reach people for Jesus, we're going to preach the gospel, we're going to do all of these things, we're going to be on mission, we're going we're to be out in our community. I think every church starts out that way. Every church starts out that way. I don't think any church starts out any differently. However, what tends to happen is, is that when the church actually says, we're going to reach messy people. We're going to reach people who don't have necessarily their marriage together all the time, people who have speckled past, people who have broken and shattered and tattered presents, and people who just don't seem to have it all together. Like Once those people actually start to show up, then the church realizes, oh no, what have we done? Like, this is getting, this is getting messy, right? And so then... Then what they say is then that instead of being outward pointed, they begin to point inward and, and, and the whole dynamic of the church begins to change. Everything begins to change at that point. And so uh, if you, like, if, honestly, let me, let me just say it this way. That is a horrible, horrible, horrible slow death for a church. Um, if you're new here or have never been here before or, or have only been around a little bit, you, you may have heard me say this at one point in time or uh, probably not, but I do try to say it often, really. And in fact, I say it over and over and over again. And, and this, is not a, this is not a threat. This is just a conviction that I have just as, um, just as a follower of Jesus. But my desire is to be a part of a church that faces outward and not inward. My desire is to be part of a church and to be leading a church that is constantly faced outward and not inward, a church that isn't concerned about the mess that comes along with it. Um, how many of you are parents? Like, what, you either got kids at home now or, okay, so a lot of us are parents. So you get this. You know this. You know how this works. So uh, this won't take any thinking at all on your behalf to figure this out. If you have children, you have a mess. Right? Amen? And so, like, like... <laughs> 
it, it just follows them, right? Like children are just inherently messy, right? They're just, they're just messy. And so you know how this works, parents. You clean your house, right? You clean it up. Everything looks nice. Everything smells good. Everything is put away. You turn around. You get yourself something to drink, a little bit of sweet tea in your glass or whatever it is. I'm not judging. But you put something in your glass and you drink it, right? And you turn around and guess what? It's messy, right? It just gets messy. If you have kids, you know how that works. It just naturally gets messy. And here's the thing. As people come into the church, if a church is pointed outward and not inward, the church will be messy. The church will be filled with people who have messy lives, who have brokenness in their lives, whether they show it or hide it or not, regardless of those things. And then the church says this, if a church is pointed outward and not inward, a church says, we're glad that you're here. Keep coming. Keep coming. Like, we want you to be here. And so, nothing, nothing ever stays clean for long. And so, you know this as parents, too. Like, as, as a parent with, with your children, um, you have two options. Either you get rid of your kids or you deal with the mess. Right? Now, I don't know your children, so I don't know which one, you know, I don't know which one you're leaning toward at this point. But I would bet... I would bet that most of us, there's a few of you I'm not too sure about, but I would bet that most of us lean toward just having to deal with the mess, right? Like we just know it's going to be messy. And so the process of our lives looks like this. Mess, clean it up. Mess, clean it up. Mess, clean it up. It's just never, ever, ever clean, right? Until you get to the point where your children are, you know, out of the house, and then they have children, and they bring those children back, and it's the whole process all over again, right? Grandparents? So just the same thing over and over again, right? And so with that, we have have the, the option there. And so for the church, the church is the same way. Either you get rid of messy people or you deal with the mess. And I don't know about you, but when I read the scriptures, when I read what Jesus says and what I see in his actions toward other people, I don't see Jesus saying, I'm just going to get rid of the mess. I see Jesus dealing with the mess, and I see him calling the church to do the same. And so my desire is, is to, to lead a church that, that does just that. And the way that the Bible actually talks about this is, is the Bible talks about it, as we're going to see here in just a moment, in Matthew chapter 5. And so if you have a Bible with you, you can open it up to Matthew 5. It'll be on the screen back here behind me. Or... If you have your smartphone and want to open up Uversion, uh, there's an app called Uversion. You can download it for free. It's a Bible app. You just click on events, find Ridge Church right there, and you can actually follow along with all the notes right there in your smartphone. Uh, so, um, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is teaching, and this is uh, right in the middle of this thing that called the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, the Sermon on the Mount is a, is a sermon, is a message that, that Jesus gave, sort of to uh, kick off his ministry in a lot of ways. It was a really long sermon from him. And so he's talking, and in, in the middle of what he is talking about, one of the things that he starts to talk about is something that you may have heard in the Bible or read yourself before. He begins to talk about what it means to be salt and what it means to be light. What it means to be salt and what it means to be light. And so this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at what it means for you and I as the individual to be salt, to be transformed, and what the result of that is, the light that shines into the darkness. And so let's take a look at this together. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. 
These are the words of Jesus, and this is what he says. He says, you are salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people... Uh, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Put it under a bushel. No, no. Okay, anyway. Uh, But, y'all were thinking it. I just said it out loud. Right? It says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Will you guys pray with me for just a moment? Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you for, um, God, how it challenges us. And we pray that in these next few moments, Lord, uh, God, you just search our hearts. And God, and um, help us see you, God, in, in the transformation that you have called us to. Uh, so that our light will shine into the darkness. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, Jesus says two things here. Two things. And, and they actually go together. They're, they're, they they, they complement one another. He says, your salt and you're also light. You're salt and you're also light. And so one commenter put it this way about salt. Um, and so we're going to look at these two individually and then see how they uh, complement one, one another. But one commenter said this about salt. He said, salt is us breathing in spiritually and being transformed from the inside out. And so as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian... You are salt. Jesus says, if you are my follower, if you are a a Christian, you are saved and you are following me, then you are salt. And you become salt because you have been transformed by the Holy Spirit from the inside out. And and that's the thing. That's really important. Like getting that down, being transformed from the inside out versus outside in is so important. Like we have to understand this process of transformation. Because... Outside-in transformation is called religion. Anytime transformation happens outside-in, that is religion. But inside-out is transformation through Christ. And I'll show you what I mean by that here in just a moment. Uh, So Jesus, he, he begins to contrast these two things. And he says that salt is the mark of a life that has been transformed by the gospel. And so what ends up happening is, is that salt is a place where belief and transformation begin to line up. It's where belief and transformation begin to line up. So where there is belief, hear me when I say this, this is really important. Where there is belief, but there is no transformation, something is off. Where there is belief, but there is no transformation, something is off. Here's what I mean by that. If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, if you believe that he is the Son of God, that he gave his life up as a sacrifice for our sins to take our place, who lived a sinless life, died and rose again three days later and is seated at the right hand of God and will come back for those who love him. If you believe that, that's the gospel, that's what we call the gospel, that Jesus came to save sinners. If you believe that, but it has not transformed you, then you don't believe that. Belief in Jesus should always lead to transformation if you believe he is who he says he is and that you believe that he will do everything that he said he would do in the scriptures. And so 
we become salt. We become transformed into what Jesus says is this salt. And he's using a metaphor here. We become that when belief transforms us. And so if what you and I believe has not transformed us, then what Jesus says here in Matthew 5 is he says then it's useless. Essentially, he is saying that the belief that we have is useless. Now, that's, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? But Jesus says. So think about it like this, too, because this is important, too. Um, the process of transformation in, in church, you may have heard this word before if you've been in church any length of time, but in church, the process of transforma- transformation is called sanctification, okay? That's a big, hairy church word. You don't ever use it any other place except for in church, right? Like, you never went up to somebody at work and sat down and had a salad together and say, hey, how's that sanctification going? You've never done that, right? That's, we don't use that word anywhere else. We use it in church. You know, you get sanctified or chicken fried. That's, that's, the only, that's what we say, right? <clears throat> we don't say that here. I'm just saying, like, you've probably heard that, right? Okay, so sanctification, let me explain sanctification for just a moment. Sanct- sanctification is the process of change, of the process of being made into the image of Jesus. That's what sanctification is. It's the process of being made holy. Now, here's the thing. You are not sanctified yet. Do you know why? Because you have not been completely made into the image of Jesus yet. You are still in process. You are still in journey, just as I am. We never get to the end of that journey until Jesus returns for us or he calls us home. When you are in the presence of Jesus, then you have been made sanctified. You have been made holy in that time. But until then, you are still in process, which means this. This is so good, church. This should help every single one of us. This should make every single one of us feel much better about ourselves. None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us walked in here batting 10 for 10 on the Ten Commandments. Like, we just, we're, we're not. And so that should, be, that should be liberating for every single one of us. That means that we don't have to put on a mask. That means we don't have to act anything. That means that we don't have to do anything. We just get to be who we are and say, you know what? I'm broken, I'm flawed, and I am in process. I'm being, it's being made into, not being made now, but being made into the image of Jesus, the image of Christ. And that is the process of being salt. So here's, here's the thing about this. Is any, any single one of us, and you, you, know how this, you know how this works. Anyone can check the box Christian on a survey, right? Like anybody. Like here, here in America, think about this. This stat blows me away. In America, some 80 plus percent of Americans identify as Christians. And so, like, when you get that survey on the census or you get a survey that you take or, you know, things like that, somebody calls you up on your cell phone and, you know, wants to give you a survey, all, the, all those things, and they ask you what your religious affiliation is, and they may say, you know, are you Buddhist, are you Hindu, are you, you know, Muslim, are you other, are you atheist, are you Christian? Eighty-plus percent of Americans say, well, I'm a Christian. Okay, now, let me ask you this. How many of you feel like when you watch the news, when you walk down the street, when you troll Facebook, you feel like 80-something percent of the people that you interact with are Christians? Right. Right? Like, we know that there's a disconnect there. We know, why, why is that? Because what we have believed has not transformed us and made us into salt. There's a disconnect. There's a disconnect. 
And so Jesus, Jesus knows this. He's aware of this. Even in this time, knowing what would be to come, he says, you are salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And so salt is the process. It's being transformed by the gospel. Now, there, there are two ways that, that we become salt. There are two ways that we're transformed. One is, is God working in you as the individual. That, that's one way that, that what God does in you as the individual person, as he transforms you from the inside out, that is you becoming salty, if you will. That's you becoming uh, salt. Or <clears throat> it's also the second way. I think these two things work together. It's God working in you through the local church. God working in you through the local church. Listen to what Paul says. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, he says it this way. Um, starting in verse 12, he says this. He says, since we have such a hope, he's talking about hope in Jesus. He says, we are very bold. And he makes a contrast. He says, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were being hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that's, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Now stop right there for just a moment. And so what Paul is writing here is he's, he's talking about Old Testament, he's talking about way back with, with Moses, and he's saying that when Moses would read the Scriptures, the Old Covenant, that was the Scriptures, he said when Moses would read the Scriptures, their hearts were hardened. In other words, he's saying exactly what we just said, that their beliefs were not leading to transformation. He said, and so because of that, because their hearts had been hardened, because belief was not leading to transformation, their hearts were hardened, and they were not, be- they were not believing. There was that disconnect. He says the veil was still over the face. But listen to 15, or at the end here, 14. It says, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, should highlight that. It says, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, we all, that, that word all, it's crazy, this was written in Greek. That word all means everybody, okay? So, um, translation. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, listen, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so Paul says, Paul says, hey, if you're going to clap, commit to it, let's just go, okay? Let's do, let's do that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just I did, I, somebody did that in the first service, and I did that, and then they still were like, do, do, I, I don't know, I don't know, just, Okay, anyway, so I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. What do we do? Do I clap? Do I not? Is this a clap in church? This is a clap in church. You can clap. It's okay. Um, so so Paul, Paul, Paul says, when one turns to the Lord, that's where transformation happens. That's where transformation happens. It always begins with us turning to Jesus. And again, that's the inside-out process. 
It's the inside-out process. Because here's the thing. If you, uh, if you would uh, consider yourself the type of person who would say, you know what, I, I remember when I was a kid and I had this experience with Jesus and I, I prayed this prayer. I don't even know what it was, but I prayed something. Somebody told me to repeat and I did it and so I did it. But then like nothing happened after that. Like I never felt any different. Like nothing ever changed. And so I find myself sitting in the same place where I, like I just, I, I've never felt any different. Well, one of two things is true then. Either one, you're still in process. You're changing. Maybe you just hadn't peered deep enough into your heart to see the change in the process that has been taking place in you. Or the unfortunate thing is, is maybe, just maybe, maybe you don't believe. Maybe there's a disconnect there. That the veil is still over your heart. But, Paul says, but when we turn to Jesus... The veil is lifted up, and we are free, and we find freedom, and transformation begins to happen. And so it's always inside out. It's not outside in. And so what tends to happen is that when we want to change, what we typically do is we modify our behavior. You know how this works, right? Like if we want to get healthy, if we want to lose weight, we want to bulk up some muscle, you know, we want to get swole, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe we just want to drop a few pounds. What's the first thing that we do? We modify our behavior, don't we? we? We look and say, okay, what is it that I'm doing? What is it that I'm doing that I need to change? Well, I need to eat better. I need to get a little more sleep. I probably need to hit up the gym, right? I need to lay off the Dunkin' Donuts. Like, I, I, need to, I need to do those things, right? I need to cut out the sugar in my life. I need to do Whole30. I need to do Paleo. I need to do whatever kind of crazy diet I can find. Like, I just, I'm going to change and multiply, or I'm going to change and I'm, I'm going to change my behavior, basically. Let me ask, how many of you have ever done a diet and it didn't work? You know why? Oh. <laughs> Robbie. Yeah. Do you know why? Because all you did, all, I've done it too. We, we've all done it. We just tried to modify behavior. But anybody who's actually had success at these things, they didn't just modify behavior. It didn't start with behavior modification. It started with a change of heart. You have to change your heart first. You have to change your mindset first. Right? And then out of that, out of the heart change, out of the inside out, then comes behavior modification. You don't start with behavior modification. You start with heart transformation. And the only way that the heart is transformed is through Jesus. And as we are transformed, Jesus says, we become salt. We become salt. And so we've spent literally the last four weeks talking about this in this series. We've been talking about the individual and how, uh, how we are transformed from the inside out. Week one, I asked this question, and I think it's a really good question for us to consider even now, just to kind of come back to. But in week one of this series, I asked us this question to consider, to think on, to, to pray about. And the question was this, am I making my affections for Jesus? Am I making my pursuit of him? Am I making space for him? Am I making him my greatest priority and treasure? Because here's the thing. If Jesus does not sit and rule on the throne of your heart, someone or something else is. If it's not Jesus, it's someone or something else. And if it's someone or something else, then that's what Scripture tells us is, is an idol. And so 
We, we've placed an idol on the throne of our hearts. And listen, every single one of us are prone to do that. Every single one of us are prone to do that. But there will be no transformation take place as long as an idol rules and sits on the throne of our hearts. But when Jesus sits on the throne of our hearts, when our affections are pointed toward him, when our attention is pointed toward, as Paul says, as we set our minds on heavenly things and not earthly things, Colossians chapter 3, when, when we do those things, it is those, it is that that leads us to transformation and it leads us into the process of being made into salt. Now, here, let me tell you why that's important. Um, that is important to us because... As salt, you see, Jesus makes this contrast. He uses salt and light. And so let me just read this, and then I'll I'll explain the importance of this. Listen to what Jesus says. Verse 14, he says this. He says, you are light of the world. He just said we were salt. And so if the salt loses its saltiness, it's, it's good for nothing. It needs to be thrown out. But he says, you are light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Have any of you ever been to uh, Cincinnati? Anybody ever been to Cincinnati? Okay, quite a a few of you. So you know that driving up the interstate on your way to Cincinnati, right, you kind of, you get to Erlanger, right, you kind of start to crest the top of that hill, and when you get to the top of that hill and you start to come down that hill, but when you get to the top of the hill, you see Cincinnati, don't you? Like, especially if you try to go in at night, it's lit up, it's bright, it's all over the place. You cannot miss it, right? And so Jesus gives us the same imagery of light, of being a city on a hill. It's kind of like rolling into Cincinnati. Like, you can't miss it. It is absolutely obvious where the light is coming from. And so Jesus says this. He says, don't miss this. You are light, But the only way that you become light is because you were made into salt. Now, here's why that's important. You see, Jesus uses these two things to contrast and and to complement one another because of this. You know how salt is made? It's exposed to light. You see, salt is made when it is exposed for long periods of time to light, bright, shining light salt is made and transformed into its saltiness and there's some other scientific things going on there too but light is a big factor right light is a big i went to clinton high school so uh (laughs) light is a big factor all right we'll just talk about that but jesus says this he says so so you are salt and you are light so here's here's the crazy thing here's what i love every single one of us who are followers of jesus who have given our lives to to christ Every single one of us who are uh, following Jesus, you were exposed to light. Do you know why? Because someone was light to you and began the process of salt in you. Someone was light to you. And so Jesus says, you are salt and you are light. Make sure your light shines brightly into the darkness and pushes it back. Be light to others to create salt in others so that others will shine their light to create more salt. Salt is transformation, so seeing lives transformed. I don't think anybody in here has ever 
ever, ever said, you know what I hate? I hate it when people stay the same and never change. I don't think anybody's ever said that. I think we love seeing change in people, good change, positive change, things that change and impact our lives. And so again, I love this. I love what Jesus says here. Um, Jesus says that we become salt when we are exposed to light, and so because you are salt and have seen the light, go now and be light to make more salt. Second Corinthians chapter 5, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it for you, but Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 11 says this, Paul, he writes, he says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Now, that word fear is not like, oh my goodness, run, I am so afraid, kind of fear. That's not what the fear that he's talking about. Paul says, so, because Excuse me, because we know the fear of the Lord, what he's saying is, is because we know how great and mighty and wonderful and amazing he is. That's what he's saying. How majestic and wonderful and mighty God is. Because we know the fear of the Lord, he says, we persuade others. What what is he persuading them to? To transformation. To Jesus. He says, so we persuade others others and he goes on he says but what we are is known to god and i hope it is known also to your conscience verse 13 he says for if we are beside ourselves it is for god and if we are in our right mind it is for you for the love of christ controls us because we have concluded this that one has died for all and therefore all have died and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves that's being liked but for him who for their sake died and was raised and so this is why he says so this is why this is why we persuade others or this is why we are light it's because of the gospel because of jesus because of what he's done for us on the cross and because we believe this and we live this we have been transformed by this and the result of being transformed by that will always be light shining in the darkness always As one pastor puts it, he says that this, he says, the best way for light to shine out of a church is you and I, the individual, being transformed by the gospel. It's the best way for light to shine out of the church. You and I living our lives wherever we go and doing the best to our flawed and imperfect ability to be light wherever we are. Because when we are transformed by the gospel and, and, and become salt, if you will, as Jesus says, the light shines into the darkness. And when you start to be transformed, Jesus says, I love this, he says, put it, you cannot put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. It cannot be stopped. It cannot be stopped. Um, there's one warning that Jesus gives here and it's back up in verse 13. He says this, He says, but if salt has lost its taste, in other words, if we are not being transformed, he says, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Here's the thing, church. I'm sure you've noticed this. If you've paid any attention whatsoever to anything going on around you, you know this to be true. 
it's as important now as it has ever been in our culture to be salt and light. To be salt and light. To be transformed from the inside out so that our light shines into the ever-creeping closer and closer darkness around us. And I don't mean that in some kind of like creepy way or anything like that. I just mean that culture is changed. It's not the same. Culture is different 10 years than it was 10 years ago. Absolutely. It's different than it was five years ago. It's different now than it was a couple of months ago. It's changed. It's constantly changing. And here's the deal. Our culture is not getting more Christian. (laughs) Everybody that we know does not work at Chick-fil-A. Okay? Christian chicken, right? I mean, that's what what we call it, right? You ever gone into a Chick-fil-A and you just walk in there because you kind of know a little bit about Chick-fil-A and you walk in there and everybody's so nice to you and kind and you say, thank you, and they always say what? See, y'all know. Y'all eat some Christian chicken. And so, like, like, we just think, man, they're so nice in there. and We know that they're a Christian company. Like, everybody in there has just got to be Christians, right? Maybe they are. I don't know. But, like, what we do know is that everybody in the world is not, Right? And so it is more important now for us to be salt and light than it has ever been and will continue to be as we go on. And so Jesus says, Jesus says this to us. He says, be salt and be light. And here's what I love about what he says. He says that we can actually be this. And so if he says that we can absolutely be this, then we should certainly trust him to be able to do that in us. Amen. I'm excited today because we have visible proof and evidence of salt and light. Here in the next few moments, we're going to have four teenagers be baptized. And that's a big deal. It's a huge deal because you can think of a million reasons why it's a big deal. Parents, grandparents, loved ones, like you see, seeing your people get baptized, it's a pretty big deal, right? Tara, Brad, pretty big deal. Cameron, pretty big deal, right? Like, it's just a big deal. And it's a big deal because of this. It is visible evidence. Baptism is this. It is an, it is an outward expression of an inward change. Isn't that what we just talked about? <laughs> It is an outward expression of an inward change. These are people going into the water saying, this is who I was. Bam, I'm no longer that. I've been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we celebrate that. And so our prayer for every person being baptized, whether it's today or some other day or, or anything else, is simply this, is that they will continue to grow in their saltiness. And not saltiness like you're a jerk kind of saltiness, but... Because that's kind of what we use that term salty, right? It's like, man, that jerk is so salty. Like, I don't, you know. Yeah, yeah, the old sailor talk, right? And so, not that kind of saltiness, though, right? Like transformation. Like continue to be transformed into the image and the glory of Jesus. So that light will shine into the darkness. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you for the, um, God, just the challenge that, that it gives to each one of us. God, how it pushes us, how it, um, 
informs us, but how it also cuts deep past, God, all of the, the stuff that we try to place onto the throne of our hearts. God, would you search our hearts right now? God, would you call to mind the things that maybe have, uh, have been a, an obstacle or a blockade to us to, uh, to growing in our uh, love and desire for you? God, would you search our hearts for maybe the things that, that are blockades to us being light into the world, wherever it is that we live, work, and play, and, and just do life? God, would you give us the, the faith and the bravery, God, to be able to lay those things down at, at the cross? God, to only want you to maybe take that next step. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, would you, would you mind just standing with me? And we're going to sing a song together. We'll have baptisms here in just a moment. But we invite you to come and to continue praying through. Maybe, maybe God is asking you to take a next step. Maybe, just as we talked about, there is something that is, uh, that is causing um, this blockade in your heart to being salt and light around around you and to growing in your love and affection for Jesus. Maybe you need to take a few moments to just pray to him and talk with him and just lay that at the cross. Because again, as we've read today, that it's not until we turn to Jesus that transformation begins to happen. And so maybe your, your step today is to actually do that, is to turn to Christ. And then we invite you to come and take communion. We, we do communion every Sunday here at the Ridge. And so we have uh, the bread and, and the juice, and, which is the broken body and the blood of Christ, which is proof to us that says that Jesus gave up his life so that, so that transformation would happen. And as a follower of Jesus, even if Ridge Church is not your home, we invite you to come and take communion with us. Because here's the thing. I don't care where you go to church. If you're, we're family. Amen. It's just the way it is. We're family. That's right. Can't get rid of us. Right. So we invite you to come and, and do that and then uh, hang around for a few minutes as, as we baptize uh, some folks. It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's sing.